This program is brought to you by Resonance 104.4 FM. If you like what you hear and want to support our work, please make a donation at fundraiser.resonance.fm. You're listening to the Panel Borders Clear Spot on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Alex Fitch, and in this month's show, I'm looking at Canadian comics recorded at last month's Lakes International Comic Art Festival in Kendall. I'm talking to the New York Times best-selling author Kate Beaton about the latest collection of her webcomic Hark a Vagrant called Step Aside Pops. This interview was recorded in the Canadian Pavilion at LICAF in front of a live audience. And here indeed is that New York Times best-selling book, uh, Hark a Vagrant Volume 1. Mm-hmm. And this is Volume 2, Step Aside Pops, yeah. uh, both of which are collections of your webcomic, yeah. uh, Hark a Vagrant. How did that come about? Um, I became a web cartoonist uh, because it was, the, it was available. Um, <laughs> I, I started doing comics in, uh, in university for my student paper, and when school was finished, there was nowhere to put the comics anymore. There was nowhere for the no audience. Um, I started putting them on Facebook because Facebook was brand new then. And, you, and I was like, oh, you can make photo albums. I'll just make photo albums of comics. And uh, eventually it became obvious that I should, I should put them somewhere in their own home. Um, and, uh, and so I got a, a website and then a live journal. And that's what, uh, that's what other people seem to be doing. Uh, I had friends who showed me how to do it. And um, the comics took off by themselves. They, uh, I, I never really advertised. I never, um, uh, I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what, what accounts for, for what becomes popular. I got, I got really lucky, I think, mm. honestly, that my, that my work hit a, hit a chord with people. Well, I guess it just starts off as word of mouth, that people recommend yeah. things to their friends. To yeah, their absolutely. Friends. Mm. And then you get a few big sort of recommendations. Like early on, Warren Ellis linked to my comics and said that they were good and people believed him, <laughs> which was handy for me. As a cartoonist, I guess there's a lot of growing up in public. You're sharing your work yeah. with the public and they're commenting on it and I guess you're refining your style as you go along. But being a humour cartoonist must be duff- doubly difficult because it's a bit like becoming a stand-up comedian. You're trying your jokes out on the yeah, audience and always, seeing what they works. they don't always land. And if they don't land, then they're there forever. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> you, don't, you don't really get... Uh, a, too much of a pass on the internet. Everything stays. Uh, so there was definitely a lot. You know, I look back at my earlier work, and sometimes people will print a, an article about my comics and then run a comic from 2008, and I'm just like. <laughs> 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 but then again, if they like it, they like it. It doesn't, you know. Um, uh, I think that I get better as I as I go along, but that doesn't mean that that any of the new work is better or worse. And some people, you know, there's always going to be someone who's like, "You used to be really funny," <laughs> and uh, and that's that's there. Uh, that's that's good. Whatever whatever anybody likes is good. Yeah. Well, um, Woody Allen keeps working, and people say that for his earlier. Funny yeah, films. yeah, and you know, uh, people like Ronald Searle is one of my favorite cartoonists ever, and I prefer his early work the, <laughs> to, to, to like the mad like watercolor cats that happen afterwards. Uh, <laughs> I prefer the same Trinian stuff, and I know that that he got sick of hearing about that. Mm. I mean, again, people are gonna like what they like. Yeah. But um, I am I am gonna do a comic reading. This is this is uh, go for it. Um, exactly what it sounds like. I'm going to grab this mic and I'm going to put it back so I feel like I'm talking to space right now. Ooh. That was mm. the sound of space. Yeah, it was. <laughs> that was. Oh my god. 
I'm coming in super loud, annoyingly. So, uh, so yeah, comic reading is basically exactly what it sounds like. Alexander the Great plays Monopoly. Yes, Park Place is Boardwalk, a mine, the shoe of silver is again victorious. Um, I only have a hotel on Park Place and houses on Boardwalk, they're, they're my property. No, I get it, it's, it's just not how you play the game. <laughs> <laughs> Alexander Pope is, is going to the party. Uh, don't worry about it, bro, to error is human, am I right? Yeah, I guess so. To error is human, uh, it's like that kind of pedantic nerd, that's the word. No, I know what you mean. Enchanted. He's looking for kissing. Thor, love me. Oh, you're looking Thor? No. How'd you get in here? This is like you and me, Thor? Uh, sexy push-ups, get him with his Thor. <laughs> Who goes there? I can't see your face. Show yourself up. <laughs> Forget it. Now you're my enemy, Thor. Oh, did you still want to make out? Oh, yes. <laughs> Femme fatale. Broke my package, finally. Please sign. Uh, is it is it a gun? No, it's a knitted hat. I just thought, I enjoy guns and crafts. Don't watch me in. <laughs> Ever since I got married, my social network is, our ads are all about babies. It's crazy. I know. When I log on, it's just like, animal events and say, kill your lovely husband. It's like, get out of my life, Google. <laughs> Doc, you gotta help me. I got legs that won't quit. It's contagious. <laughs> <laughs> You're a bum, 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 bum. You're so smart, how'd you end up with a cook like me? Charlie, you know I was always bad at making choices. Charlie's rotten, rotten, I tell you, so don't date him. That leaves Johnny, but Johnny's too big. Girl, don't date him either! <laughs> that was a, a great cross-section mm. of um, various topics yes. that you covered in your comics. <laughs> And I guess you kind of, presumably you go through periods where it's like, for the next couple of weeks, I'm going to pastiche superheroes. I'm going to do yeah. something about, you know, ridiculous found images from history. Yeah, well, I mix that up. I don't, if I, if I have to do something, uh, if it was just like historical research all the time, I feel like that would bore people after a while and me. So it's nice to, to be able to, like, nobody sets any rules. You make a website, you're like, I'm going to do whatever I want. And then you do. And that's good. But, but thinking of your initial premise, you know, kind of like riffing on history and riffing yeah. on um, classical literature, uh, as people were coming in, there were these one-minute vignettes about Canadian history, which you were telling mm. me were shown on Canadian TV. Yeah, yeah. Was that the kind of thing that informed you as oh, a cartoonist? Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. I, he was trying to talk to me, but I was just, like, talking along with the Canadian history minutes. Because we all, we all know them there. There were these, like, two-minute... Um, Commercials or one minute, I guess they are history minutes uh, that that would air um, during the day when you're watching TV. So um, uh, they're they're just like they were a lot of time they were kind of lame because they had to put so much information into one minute. So characters would go on just like exposition after after cheesy exposition and then being like Canada, huh? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like inserting it as much as they could, um, and uh, you know. Uh, <laughs> So, but they were amazing mnemonic devices, and, and mm. uh, we actually learned a lot. And I, I think with comics, for sure, there's the same sort of, um, you can pack in a lot of information, and it's enough to, to give like a, a, a solid sort of sense of the event or the person, mm. and, uh, and a springboard in, if somebody actually wants to, to learn about the real thing. Mm. Um, and they also remember what they read in the comic, because uh, it's just, that's that's... That's the way that, that 
stays in our brain. I don't know. Like it, it's why. Um, uh, oh, I don't know. It's just the way it works. Mm. And I, I guess as well, you know, doing your strip, uh, like you said, sometimes the jokes would get an audience, and sometimes they wouldn't. And that wouldn't necessarily be because they were funny or not, but because some of your references might only be understood by Canadians or by scholars yeah. of English literature. But at the same time, that doesn't really matter, as long as perhaps you think someone finds it funny. Yeah, and also I try to put in enough information there so that even if you aren't familiar with, with what I'm talking about, um, then, uh, then you can find out. And, and, or that, that like, uh, you, you have a general sense of what's happening, mm. even if you're unfamiliar. And then, and of course, you can find out because it's the internet. So everything is just there. Um, uh, Google is, is like literally one tab away from, mm. from my website. And the same thing with the book. We're just always surrounded by computers now. Like, oh, I don't know who Wonder Woman is. <laughs> but I was interested, though, that in the collected edition, um, you have notes, yeah. the process that you were thinking of when you did the cartoon Sometimes, and others yeah. you know, kind of explain where the idea came from. Yeah, and that's just because like the, every comic on the website comes with like a weird news post of, ah. of me just rambling underneath it. Um, and um, I, they, they, that seemed to be part of the comic. So, so I, we pared them down for the new book, actually, because there was a lot in the old one, and mm. sometimes they can take away from the comic. I don't know. I think you have a, a, a few of them. A few is good. You don't need to have too many. Mm. I suppose it would be worse if they were footnotes and people always turning to the back. Looking the I guess. I don't know. It's, it's, it's kind of whatever you make it. Mm. I think that some people read it, and they don't read the news post ever because... Mm. Because I will say something and then I'll get an email and be like, when is this thing? You're not best pleased if someone quotes like a cartoon from 2007. When yeah, you no, know. horrible. But obviously when you have a bound edition like this, yeah. it's preserving some of them in print yeah, forever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I guess when you were compiling these editions, did mm -hmm. you throw out some and keep yeah. others? Yeah, yeah. there's some that were probably weaker or, or too strange. Or, uh, and like Harkavigrin is, is one of the projects that I do. I also make journal sort of comics and I put them online but they don't go on the website and uh, mm. um, uh, Harkavigrin is its own sort of particular thing. And I guess you did web comics before you started doing print comics. Yeah. When you started appearing at uh, small press festivals mm -hmm. I guess you know with stuff that you'd printed and bound did you find that the web comics fans were coming to you or you were finding a whole new audience with the print comics? I it was a real mix and, and has been like I came into comics at a time when people were really uh, the audience was expanding and they were taking in comics wherever there used to be a divide between print and web and there really kind of isn't mm. in a lot of ways now uh, or and if it is it's very blurry but there used to be you know like the print guys would be like oh those web comic crew and we would roll in with our sunglasses on we're real cool <laughs> we <laughs> have like, merchandise like yeah <laughs> this is the new way of doing things like step aside props <laughs> um, but uh, now there's everybody just everybody just puts out work where they think it fits best, and um, and even and like people will jump from web to print or print to web. It's really kind of fluid, and so my audience is the same. Um, some people would show up at a comic show and be like, "Why does she have the giant lion? I'm gonna go check it out," um, <laughs> and uh, and that's great. We're in the Canadian pavilion. I mean, does your uh, Canadian identity, yeah. uh, you know, is that important to you when you're at international cons that you're somehow a spokesman for the country? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and actually, I think, uh, well, we were talking a bit about this before, but um, I think that Canadian comics and British comics share that same kind of, like, uh, um, regional pride with work. We're, we're very proud to 
uh, have a host of talented people who do different things, but we're all sort of connected uh, uh, because uh, we're, we're kind of trying to make um, make it work in our smaller countries versus you know having to be in America or live in LA and do things mm. there. And it's and it's an industry that can actually thrive in your own in your own country, even if it's small, which is which is kind of nice because if you're an actor, you pretty much have to move to LA. And, and we we always lose people to. Uh, um, to America, mm. uh, the, the sort of talent drain that goes that way, because that's where the money is and that's where the job is and all this stuff. And uh, and yet, one of the best comics publishers in the world is is Drawn Quarterly, mine in, in Montreal. Mm. And uh, yeah, we're, we're very proud about that. Obviously, you're a very good writer and artist. You know, we find you funny. But um, one aspect of comics that rarely gets discussed uh, is the lettering. And actually, uh, you're a terrific letterer. Oh, my lettering is garbage. No, it's great. I mean, it's, it's you know, I mean, I, I think there should be a Kate Beaton font. You there know, is. That, oh, well, there you go. <laughs> was there was that? I made it for translation. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I think that my lettering is atrocious, but thank you. Uh, oftentimes, like, the S's look like B's and uh, other things, and people are like, what does that word say? And they'll read it wrong. Yeah, what's going on up there? Like, what does that be? Uh, be from space? It's almost a P. Yeah, that, that kind of thing. But I guess it has character. I mean, I, I suppose I, I, I'm more talking about, you know, when you do a cover. Oh, uh, yeah, like the covers. This one, or, I like or, doing, or the Princess yeah, and the yeah, Pony. Yeah, I like doing covers. My covers all look kind of the same because I really <laughs> like that, the giant font and a kind of a, an iconic image to sell it. Um, I tried to make a fancier cover mm. for that. And, and I worked on it for a long time. But if I work on something for a long time, it looks like trash. So um, so in the last moment, I, I wrote to Tom Devlin, the, my editor at, uh, at Drawn and Quarterly, and I was like, I'm going to make you a different cover. I'm going to do it today in one day. Just hold on one second. Don't print that other one. It looks awful. Um, and, uh, and this one, and then I'm really pleased. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, okay, that works for me. I think that, I think that you got to find whatever works for you, and it doesn't, like... Like, everybody has their strengths and, and weaknesses. Like, I am not an amazing artist in a lot of ways. I have a knack for gesture and expression that has carried me a long way. And um, I'm very grateful to have that. Some people don't get anything. And, uh, and you know, I, I used to think, oh, I wish I went to art school and I wish that I could, uh, like, had the patience to draw the big landscapes or, or things like that, all these beautiful comics that I admire. Um, but, then, uh, but then I'm happy to be good at what I do. If I realize what works for me, and, and I think that's all you need to, to kind of hone into. Mm. Well, I think part of the notion of being a, a popular artist that connects with an audience is mm. being able to draw uh, items of an image that are recognizable to the audience. So the fact that you can, you know, quickly knock together a Napoleon yeah. and everyone yeah. recognizes it. But that ability to be able to quickly render a recognizable figure from history or literature, mm. I mean, was that a skill that you, you found that, you know, when you were kind of crowdsourcing an audience that people were latching onto? Yeah, sure, sure. I mean, it has to be, I mean, it's not like if I put up a drawing, there's the Black Prince there, and his dad. Um, Edward the Third. Uh, anyway, so, so, you know, if you put up your picture of Edward the Third, and people are like, that is totally not Edward the Third. No one's going to say that. Uh, <laughs> I guess it depends on who you're talking about. There's Janet Jackson. It kind of looks like her. It's mostly a big scribble. But, um, but I got her giant shoulder pad and her, the, like, the sort of general look of her, of her hairdo, which is all kind of on one side and kind of amazing. Um, and, uh, and then I tell you it's Janet Jackson and you believe me. <laughs>
and her amazing dad post. <laughs> and also, I mean, something that you, you know, the images you're showing now, have, yeah. uh, as well as being drawing, you're, you've got a kind of painterly wash going on. Yeah. Adding so. that element. It's, uh, um, what's this, markers, I suppose? Um, adding the, yeah, I just, uh, I used to not put any, it used to just be like line drawings, and my panels didn't even have uh, gutters in between them. I was just like, I would get a piece of like computer paper and just be like, here's a comic. Um, and then, uh, and then eventually people were like, you should, you should try and improve. So <laughs> I did, I don't know. This is, this is, this is a, a sort of a scribbly comic on purpose. It was so long and I was like, well, I don't want to work that hard on it. <laughs> but also if you don't have panel borders, uh, once a month resonance FM, then you can move the elements around on the page, particularly with a web comic until yeah. you're happy with yeah, the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I like those big, long, scrolly ones. Like on the on the internet, this one is just a big long thing. Um, and then to reformat it for the book, we had to we had to move it around. So it looks kind of weird to me, actually. Do you prefer the infinite canvas, as it were, to the tyranny of the page? I don't know. <laughs> I like them both. I like them both. You're a lady in comics. You're gonna find you you find that you're you're pulled into discussions about women representation and everything, and they happen anyway, and they're interesting. And I mm. think that there's a total. Um, uh, shift in how people talk about uh, um, like women in movies and stuff like a, like a movie like Mad Max comes out and then there's all the think pieces about Charlize Theron's character versus Mad Max's character and all this <laughs> that actor Tom Hardy so it's been really neat to be part of this conversation uh, well, yeah. I mean, I was having that exact discussion with Catherine Immonen uh, yesterday oh, really? that you know twenty years ago there would be panels called Women in Comics at yeah. conventions because it felt like a novelty, even yeah, though women yeah, had yeah. been drawing comics for, you know, mm -hmm. decades. But it's almost like suddenly it reached a critical mass and the companies, the, the mainstream companies that publish comics realised, mm. actually, we need to be more representative. You know, why aren't we hiring female creators? Yeah. Um, also, women make up like half of or uh, the, the comics audience. Yeah, yeah well, say, yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't know where they're getting those, uh, those numbers from, but... Um, but yeah, lots of lots of ladies reading comics. I meet a lot of them at comic shows. Little those, you know, little uh, little teenage girls holding their books, and you know it's adorable. And they're like, I love, and I want to make comics. I'm like, oh, I hope the world gives you everything. Hope nobody writes something on your Twitter. <laughs> For the benefit of people in Radio Land, Kate was just hugging the princess and the pony yes. to her chest. Yes, I was. Uh, oh yeah, we're on a, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> radio show too. How did you end up doing a children's book? At the, at the opening of my book uh, in, in New York, uh, the, this one, the book launch, Scholastic Offices are right next to it, and so a few Scholastic editors came by and asked if I wanted to write a kid's book. And I was like, yes, of course I do, I absolutely do. Because um, <laughs> who doesn't? Like every, kids are an amazing audience. If they like your work, they love it more than anything. And if they don't like it, they just leave it alone and they go do something else. They don't write like hate blogs <laughs> about a book they hated they're just like that's not for me and they keep going and um, I don't know there's something really lovely and, and pure about that audience and we all remember our favorite books from when we were small so uh, to, to, be, to have the chance to be maybe that, that for somebody like my favorite book was this and you carry it around in your heart forever mm. um, 
that's a really nice kind of opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And for the rest of your life, people will be coming up to you and saying, oh, I love that book you did about I the know. fat farting pony. Yes, <laughs> yes. You know, I, I think about it all the time. But of course, I'm, okay, so I met Glenn Keane, um, the animator, one time, and um, I did that to him. He was like, he was like, nice to meet you, and he's lovely, and I was like, I love the Little Mermaid. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love it so much, and he's like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thanks. Uh, he animated, <laughs> and and like Gaston, and um, uh, yeah, a lot of those those early '90s Disney movies that that meant everything to to a lot of us. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so. If somebody comes up to me in 20 years and they're like, I love your farting pony, I'll be like, amazing. (laughs) (laughs) On that note, uh, does anyone in the audience have any questions for Kate? Yeah, hi. How do your family feel about being represented in your autobiographical stuff? In my comics. They have no idea how many people read it. They're like, oh, nice. (laughs) <laughs> They're nice new comics. Actually, I like the the closest that they got to uh, to critiquing it ever, like on my own, was one time I was drawing, like, in my house, and my dad snatched the paper from me and looked at it and he went, "Katie, they're goddamn drawings," and uh, <laughs> that's that's as as far as like the negative critiques have gone. But they really don't know, I think, how many people actually read Twitter. But there's something safe about Twitter. There's something safe about. Um, putting out something online and having a million strangers see it, then putting out a book of that and having my neighbor down the road read it. Mm. That's, that's in their world and it's real. And um, like, like uh, everything is fine until it encroaches too close to, uh, to my town or other people. Like um, I tested it, I put it on Facebook. I put, uh, I put a few of those comics on Facebook. And, um, and it was a totally different feeling. It felt wrong because like, and like neighbors down the road were like, LOL, you know, you'll have to teach him a lesson or something. My dad said something funny or, or like, you know, he's, and, you're, and you're just like, leave my dad alone. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make a stupid joke. And I, they just like, it, it felt too small town and like in, in, in uh, personal space. I didn't, and I was like, oh, I can never make this book. Um, and oh, and my mom was like, Mom, I'd love to make a book and just give you all the money because I don't want the money, but I'd love for you to have some. And she's like, Oh God, maybe when we're dead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, That's horrible. <laughs> I'm hoping they're proud of you, though. They're, oh, they're, very, they're very proud. He's just talking about the, the comics that I make. Mm. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with them, but I, I make uh, autobiographical yeah, autobi- stuff. Yeah, when I when I go home. Um, no, they're, no, they're they're extremely proud, um, and uh, uh, you know, mom mom's Facebook is just a litany of, of uh, links, um, and and says like that's our Kate, very cute. Moms. <laughs> Any other questions? Shy audience. What? Oh no, there's there's a few. Oh yeah, go for it. Oh, oh sorry. I, I, yeah. I saw I saw you the Marvel comics a while Yeah. Yeah, I was wondering if you would plan on doing any more sort of narrative or stuff like that because a lot of the work on Happy Reader is is like short like sketches. Yeah. But I like your experimental work so much that I would like. I know I feel like you could really like um, do good work if you like have like a set of characters or something. I don't know if that's something you're interested in. 
Oh, thank you. Um, actually, I really love the superhero stuff because it's it's kind of new to me. I never read superhero things as a kid, so when I when I read about uh, characters now, that it's kind of exciting and, and interesting, and how many different lives that they've they've lived throughout their their existence since they were created, since whenever, and all that Wonder Woman stuff is is super fascinating to me because she's so iconic. And yet people don't really have a sense of who she is. Mm. And that, that seems like, that's why she's pissed in my, in my <laughs> comics. Is that like, you know, with Batman, he's got like uh, um, the, the parent issues and he's angry and, and, uh, and people know all these details about his life and, and Superman, everybody knows he's a big boy scout and all this stuff. And Wonder Woman, people are like, yeah, she's like popular. <laughs> and nobody can really, well, like uh, the average person really can't, even though she's just as famous as the rest, mm. the, there's no real sense of who she is. Um, and uh, the reasons why all these, this stuff happens is, is super interesting to me. And I, I, I have a, a lot of friends who started to write some superhero comics, like uh, Ryan North's Squirrel Girl, which is amazing. Mm. Um, and uh, and I, I think about it, I've, I've, never, I've never written something like that. And uh, But I think that it would be a lot of fun, actually. Well, and also as an outside observer, it means that you probably notice the absurdities of some of these characters yeah, that people who have been reading them all their life somehow haven't managed to notice. Sometimes, and sometimes mm. that that really like informs the excuse me the comics that I make about them. Um, feminist, evil feminist. But I mean, you know, thinking of longer narratives, it's interesting. Even in Hark of Vagrant, you almost have you have returning characters from yeah. time to time yeah. so that you can return to their story, you know, yeah. vignettes become serials. Yeah, I know. Walking around here, we, we walked up to the castle up there, and I was like, I'm going to make more comics with those medieval peasants, those two <laughs> stupid peasants. It's the best. Uh, <laughs> we, don't, we don't get castles in Canada. Just weird lame ones that people built, like, in the 1800s. I mean, like, I, too, have a castle, and everyone's like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Your castle sucks. <laughs> We have a few of those. I mean, it's interesting that you just did a reading of some of your comics. Yeah. This kind of performative nature of being a cartoonist. Is oh, that yeah. something that you've always enjoyed? Kind of. Well, I used to, um, like, sometimes the readings will fall flat on their face. And uh, I had to read one to, oh, God, I had to read one in my hometown sort of thing once uh, at the Writers' Festival. So I did the reading, and it was just a bunch of old people who were not there for comics, and they were like, huh. <laughs> 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 I was like, oh. <laughs> well, that's my work. And they were like, oh, good for you. <laughs> well, well done, dear. <laughs> yeah, well done, yes. And then, no, get off the stage. Um, no, the, I used to host a, a, a monthly variety show with Michael Kupperman when I lived in New York. Mm. That was a lot of fun. We did comics readings and, and things like that. And uh, he dressed up as Mark Twain quite a bit. That was... <laughs> Have you ever read Tales Designed at Thrizzle? It's super, super funny. There's not actually a lot of comics out there that make me laugh. Mm. And, uh, like, that are yeah, humor comics. Um, and uh, so, so when you um, find a really funny one, it's just like, oh, man, it's the best. Yeah, Michael's work is fantastic, if anybody is looking for more funny comics. Mm. Any other? Yeah, lady in the front row. So, um, just the, 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 the shallot just reminded me... Um, I teach English literature, yeah. um, amongst other things. So yeah. one of the things that I, I've always really loved about your work is, are the, the literary comics. Oh, thanks. And uh, I have taught with the Jane Eyre comic oh, um, nice. before. Yeah. And my partner's taught with Great Gatsby's. Although that would have been weird because one of his groups was offended by the, the baby. Oh, really? Um, yeah, which, which is really strange and interesting. Yeah, um, because in, the baby just sort of trotted in and then she's like, 
There's my baby. I hope it grows up stupid and then it yeah. leaves but, and it never but, comes but back. For some reason, they were more offended by it in your comment. Oh than yeah. Than they actually were in the book. Oh, that's funny. And I, I think what I really love it about um, and about your historical comments as well is is how in, incisive you are. That you have this way of kind of seeing right into what the problem is. Oh, thank you. Um, with with the work, and that's why they're so funny. Oh, I um, wish that I had actually made more of those Gatsby comics. I finished those at two a.m. and then I bicycled home like in a daze, <laughs> and I was like, "Good, that comic's over. I'm gonna go to sleep." And then it became one that was better known. And then I was like, "Oh, I wish I worked a little harder on that." <laughs> <laughs> you can't tell what people are really gonna really gonna attach themselves to. But the Jane Eyre comics, I love. I love the Brontes, and I, I love all the um, the things that happen around those those novels. Uh, the way that people react to them because they're written by women, and they're supposed to be. So people are like, "Oh, they're romantic," and they're like, "They're not romantic." No. Um, and uh, and you know the 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 whole sort of uh, politics, I guess, of their existence is really really interesting. Um, and uh, I, I went to Howard Hayward. Howarth. Howarth. I never know how to pronounce that. Uh, and uh, and walked around and was just like, oh, like I'm a big fan. I think you have to really enjoy a thing before you can make fun of it. Like you can't. I don't like mean humor. I don't like. I don't like humor that um, just just cuts something down to size. You mm. want to celebrate the thing, and I think that you have to really know it first, so that it's kind of like making fun of, uh, like poking a, fun at your best friend. Almost where where like you really get to like you know the 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 heart of it, but it's it's with affection too. Mm. Thank you though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The um act, the, hey. the Bob McMurray comic that you did was mm -hmm. a bit like less about finding a joke. Yeah. It was kind of more about like this is what life's like. You know? Yeah, yeah. I was just wondering like how different I felt making it, like if it was much different from the usual process at all. Oh yeah, and I've made comics about Fort memory off and on uh, since since leaving there. Um, basically, I, I I worked in the oil sands, uh, Canadian oil sands, for two years, paying off my student loan, and uh, it's a major economic part of the country, and a lot of people's lives are affected by it, and yet not a lot of people seem to know exactly what goes on there. There are a lot of British people there too. There was a lot of North Sea oil guys who uh, who worked there. Um, including people from Glasgow whose accents I could not understand. <laughs> they were really nice, and you guys call wrenches spanners. Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, I, it's just, uh, I, I really enjoy autobiography. I, I like making humor comics, but some of my favorite comics to read are, are people's autobio stuff, like David B's Epileptic is mm. one of my favorite, for sure. Um, and uh, Seth's It's Good Life If You Don't Weaken. Uh, those those sorts of stories, they um, uh, people telling something very honest. I guess that's that's what I what I really am drawn to in in stories, and and I try to do that with Fort memory. I want I want to tell just the truth of it because you just it seems to be this kind of like vague mystery to to people who haven't been there. It's this this huge part of the country um, economically. So. Um, and, and if you do hear about it, you don't hear about day-to-day -day life. You hear about oil companies and pollution and all this, and all that is important. But then, like, you know, what about the people whose whose livelihoods depend on it, and what what does that mean? Um, so, uh, so yeah, I, I think about I think about that place all the time. Probably just shows. <laughs> um, Any other questions? Yeah, down there. Oh, oh yeah. Um, 
panel with other women in comics. It was um, really good. It was good, but you're kind of sat there, but why are we here on this yeah. panel about women in comics? Does that kind of stop now, do you, or do you feel that you're still being put on panels with other women in comics to talk about really, really different things? Actually, with that one, I, I remember when they asked me to go on that one, and I was like, come on, like, no, no women in comics panel. And, um, and, and the Thought Bubble people said, you know, actually, it's one of our best attended ones. <laughs> people really like it. And, and there's a, it's always a really good discussion, actually. So I think to them it was, more, it was less about having the Women in Comics panel than the result of the, that discussion is always usually pretty interesting. And, uh, and I think that uh, that happens a lot on those panels now, except for there is that initial conversation where everyone's like, another Women in Comics panel. Here we are, uh, but they're not—they're not the same as they used to be because the conversation is different, and they actually can be pretty, pretty great. Because like, as soon as I, I learned them, they were like, "Well, Alison Bechdel is going to be on there," and I was like, "Yes, okay, okay that's fine. <laughs> I'll, I'll do that." Um, and she's amazing, and and yeah, everybody on it was was uh, was really cool. So I enjoyed that one a lot. I remember it specifically. Yeah. Well, I suppose it's as random as any collection that people yeah, have in comics. Because yeah. I, I actually did interview one, you once before at Thought Bubble. Mm-hmm. It was a panel on web comics, mm-hmm. and so it was you, Robin Firth. I don't know what web comics she's actually done. Uh, Mark Wade and I think Scott C. And all of your work is so yeah, very different, yeah, just because yeah. it's in the same medium. Yeah, yeah. You know? And it's just like it's just like almost having a comics on paper discussion you know, yeah. or something. You're just like, so what's it like? And you're like, I don't know. <laughs> That's cool. I'm really good at panels. I don't know. Remember? Uh, yeah, you had a yeah. right there. Uh, I just wondered what your creative process was behind the comics. Like, you spend quite a bit of time planning out from there, and you just go straight in there with your pen. Oh, um, I plan out. Uh, um, it's all up here first. Uh, I, I have a few notes on a on a, a WordPad document on my computer. That makes no sense if you read it. It's just like sometimes I look at it. One of the things I jotted down it was an idea when it came, and it would just—it's just like a nonsense. Um, and then other times it's bits of dialogue. Anything that makes a hook in my brain, I'm like, all right, I can build a comic around this. If I—if I'm going to make six comics, I have to have at least two ideas that I know are going to work before I can start it. Um, and because uh, then you know that you can—you can build more around it. But um, but everything is kind of up here. Um, sketchbooks. I wish that I had more. I, some people do thumbnails and stuff, and I don't. I just go straight to it afterwards because most of my um, most of my work is is the thinking and writing up bits. Uh, and uh, this comic is actually really stupid. <laughs> I, I enjoy stupid things at night. Stays a poop. The poops in the road. Um, but uh, uh, I was reading uh, like that one. I, I think that um, my mom always walks around the house. Quoting Lady of Shalott, I don't know why. But the only she knows two poems, and she's like, she'll she'll just like randomly say a line from it. So that that poem was already absurd to me um, because of that. And uh, <laughs> and then when you read about it, you're like, wow, this lady, she's in the tower, she's cursed. Um, I went back. Uh, she likes baby onions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she uh, she's cursed, and she's in the tower, and. Um, and she can't look out the window ever, and she knows it because there's a, something awful is going to happen. But then Lancelot rides by, and he's like singing, and he's got a big plume, and uh, and she's like, yeah, she like <laughs> makes a break for the window and, and like takes a look, and then the curse comes on her and she's dead, and that's it. And it's like I don't think anybody's worth like that. But what if what if yeah what if you looked out the window and he was doing something that you know. <laughs> 
What, what if it was completely disappointing? Oh, it's taking a poop. Um, sometimes you have poop. Uh, anyway, and it's, so it's like it's kind of a silly idea, but I, I liked it. I, I drew it anyway. Uh, they're they're not always like <laughs> like super clever. Sometimes they're just they're just taking making you know fun with something. Um, so I just explained that one because it was on the on the board. But uh, uh, yeah. What tools do you use? Because that uh, one looked more digital than some of the other. Yeah, well, I bought a, I bought one of those Cintiqs mm. when I started doing the kids book because um, I knew I was going to make mistakes and I knew I was going to have to fix them. And then because kids uh, are the harshest critics. They are no having editors for the first time. I, I never had an editor before before making a picture book. And then um, and they were like, "We love this. Change it all. <laughs> we love it. Change everything." And um, and I I didn't really trust my own. Um, you know, some people, uh, in comics, I, I would be like, no, this comic is fine, leave it the way it is. Like, at Drawn and Quarterly, I gave them the files, and they were like, do you want us to put punctuation in this? And I was like, no. <laughs> no, don't fix any of that grammar. That bad grammar's on purpose. But, uh, <laughs> but with kids' books, I had never made a kids' book before, so whenever they sent back mistakes, I was like, okay, okay, sure. I mean, if you say so. Um, and, and, then, and then we ruined it, because I did everything they said, and then the story was horrible. And then we had to bring it back to the beginning again, hmm. and and sort of do a better job. It was a real learning process. But yeah, I had I had to re I redo that book like this this book like eight times or something. I don't know. It was a long, much more than you'd think. And only because like I didn't really, I didn't really trust myself. I suppose. Mm. Yeah. No, I was just like I don't know what's good, and uh, and this is new and kind of scary. And um, as much as it is exciting. Uh, and and so so yeah, these, these this one is is drawn by hand on paper, and then other ones are, are digital. And I'd like to go back to paper. I like the look of things that are on paper. You know, like uh, um, they just have a. I think that's on paper. Yeah, they just have like like, they look, like you drew it more mm. than yeah. Well, it doesn't cover up any mistakes. It's yeah, and I'm honest. I'm honestly I'm lazy. That's why there are mistakes. Sometimes there's just be like a big blob somewhere, and I'm like, well. There's a big blob there. Um, and I'm not, I don't know, what the, I just keep on saying how lazy I am. I'm not actually that lazy. But, but I, I kind of like the look of, of, uh, of uh, kind of scrappy paper mm. uh, uh, things. I like, I like seeing the, the kind of work of somebody's hand doing something. Yeah. Well, it's like, I mean, I saw the ridiculous, um, they all were ridiculous, but the mm. ridiculous Apple presentation that was on a month ago um, about with our new Apple Pencil, look, we've invented a pencil. The, uh, the harder you push, you can include bits of splatter and bits of ink. Well, why not just oh. actually use a real pen? You know, if, yeah. you, if you want it to look real, and we've come up with all these complex computery things oh, to make the digital uh, look real. It's a place that you can fix mistakes. Yeah, well, there yeah. is that. Yeah, I, I, that's what I imagine. I don't know. And uh, um, some people work so much on digital that they can't draw on paper anymore. Like, it doesn't look right. They, they kind of lose that skill, and I wouldn't want to do that either. Hmm. Uh, there was another question in this part of the world. No? Anyone else? Yep. So about the way that your process changed with the children's book. Yeah. <coughs> Does that translate it back to your, to your comics? How, you mean the... Uh, <coughs> so the, the having to redraw it? Yeah, yeah. Content. Yeah, I do. I definitely do. Like the like, um, comics that I do digitally, I'll redo a panel a few times and, and have that kind of luxury that I don't have on paper, unless you want to really get crazy with the whiteout. And um, uh, I just... Uh, when I draw on paper, especially, um, 
I know that my strength is is the the gesture and expression of of the the first instinctual lines. So my my pencils are really light, and I'm always trying to chase the energy of that of that initial uh, sketch. Mm. And um, and so I don't like uh, I I don't redo many things because I I, I kind of believe uh, your first like intuition is usually your best one. It's not always, but uh, the you know it averages out to be that way for me. Um, so well, presumably with humor as well, the spontaneity is yeah, paramount. Yeah, absolutely. And if you belabor something for ages, trying yes, to get it the perfect. Looks, yeah, in my case, it usually looks it doesn't look that good if I if I work on it too hard. But then on on uh, digital, you're able to make that first first line four hundred times if you want to. So uh, mm. so sometimes it isn't actually a time saver. Any other questions? Yeah. Yeah. How much does that also apply to the word choices that you make? Because some of your terms are very. Oh, thanks. Make my tummy be wobbled. Oh. Like, <laughs> like, I think in the Bronte one, you, it dips back. So every time I read that, I find that. Oh, really? Sometimes I read that and I'm like, that's harsh. My shoulder is so harsh. Um, because uh, then, like, you can. <laughs> it's up. It's up on a on a window in a shop in Howard. <laughs> Oh, oh, nice, nice. <laughs> I, I've been in, in the shop where they've had it in the window, and I always feel kind of bad that I put the word dick bags in it because it's facing the road. And, uh, and they think it's funny, but they're like, we have gotten some complaints. Um, <laughs> they, were, they were really adorable in that shop. Uh, no, the writing actually, it, it, honestly, it's, uh, um, I, that gets rewritten, they get rewritten a lot because I, I, the idea might be big and you need to condense it. I never like having too much words and, and then sometimes you, you, you write a lot and you're like, all right, this can't be this much. I have to edit it down into like the succinct thing. And, and it's all about timing. Because you know people are going to read like this. You know how much time people spend on your website because I have Google Analytics. It's like a few seconds of page. People read comics like. And so um, when, I, when I make the jokes and the timing for everything, I'm kind of aware of the pace at which people are reading. And I want to I wanna get to the p joke before they do. I feel like uh, like we're we're kind of in a race sometimes, um, and you can you can like look back and enjoy things, but but initially, I think that people read comics really fast. So uh, so I'm I'm trying to match that speed with with what I what I do. So so it actually takes a lot of editing uh, of of ideas and and um, and trying to see like you sound it in your head, all right? What sounds the funniest? And you might do that five or six times before you get okay. This is it. Yeah, it's it's probably my favorite part of the comics is is trying to get the the gags written out because it's it's such a um, rewarding feeling when you get it right. And you're like, I made a funny thing. And if you're lucky, okay. there's a whole generation of kids who are now using dick bag as an dick insult. Dick bag. <laughs> are there children in here? Please tell me no. <laughs> that whole, I, I should have asked before I started reading comics, and then, and then they're just all horrible, horrible words. Um, <laughs> Darling, cover your ears. Yeah. Oh, don't look. Don't, don't look and don't listen. Have a nice time, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, actually, um, the 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 way, the particular way that I write jokes, uh, I it's it's pretty neat to see that uh, dissemin uh, disseminate. 
do I have the right yeah, word? Yeah. yeah, into into like a larger set of popular culture things. Mm. Like a lot of my comics turn into, get turned into memes and that kind of thing. Mm. Um, and uh, and then they take on a life of their own. And then uh, um, sometimes I read other people's comics and I'm like, oh, this is like this this because uh, we all have been, uh, I I'm influenced by by other people and it's neat to see when you have an influence on other people. Mm. Yeah. Well, and also in terms of it having uh, a potential educational bent. I mean, you know, we have a couple of teachers here, you know, who, who spoke about uh, yeah. using some of your characters to introduce people to literature. Have you had yeah, anyone uh, write in like, and say, oh, I read your comic and that made me read yeah, yes. Mothering Heights? Yeah, yeah. Somebody <laughs> was like, someone was like, I read Kokoro because you made the comics about it. And they're like, and then I got sad because it's a sad book. And I was like, oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I made jokes about it, but it's a sad book. Um, and uh, and often the comics are used as uh, icebreakers and that kind of thing because you put up a comic and students are, are read it and and they laugh and they're already warm to the subject and they're already kind of open to knowing more about it. That's it's it's kind of as simple as that. And so like it's not like my comics are are the real history uh, uh, or the real book or a real analysis but they do offer a springboard mm. into it which is nice yeah definitely because I was going to either be a professor or a work in museums that was the idea mm. I don't think I would be good actually you know what <laughs> sorry <laughs> I put up like a like a link to uh, like a New York Times like the bestseller list or something on Facebook and I was like hooray I made number one and then my old boss from the museum the Maritime Museum was like Congrats to your success. I always, I never thought that like admin was for you, <laughs> or I could tell. And I was like, oh, I thought I was good at that job. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> it's good. At least I found something I was good at. <laughs> I think we've got time for one more question. Anyone? No? Yes. Yeah. Uh, sure. I didn't I actually didn't um, know about Ronald Searle until I was like uh, um, John Allison showed him to me when, when I already had been making comics for a while and he was like you probably like this guy and I was like oh my god he's a, yeah he's amazing um, and uh, but then I was like oh I wish I was him um, the way that, that you always are with the people who influence you the most um, uh, my, my influences are kind of all over the, the board. I think that in humor, actually, my, my biggest influence is probably uh, Stephen Leacock, who was a Canadian humorist. Uh, he was the most famous person in Canada in 1906. And uh, <laughs> he influenced the Marx Brothers and, and things like that. He was an influential guy. But, hmm. but because, you know, I, 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 again, because uh, if, if you're not like an American uh, then you don't get put into the anthologies that kind of keep your name going. So he kind of like, in Canada he's still well known, but then outside of Canada not so much. So, um, but he did these literary parodies called nonsense novels. They're so funny, they're my favorite things ever. Um, and, uh, and anybody who can get a chance to read them should because they're so funny. And, and yeah, when I, when I read that, I, it's, it's clever and it's, um, uh, it's knowledgeable and, and it's affectionate and uh, very, very funny. And that's, that's what I kind of strive for as well. So that's probably my biggest influence is not even a cartoonist. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And on that bombshell. Sure. Uh, <laughs> not even a cartoonist. Kate Beaton, thank you very much. Hey, thank you.
You're going to edit out that uh, comic reading from your show, I guess. Yeah, particularly the, you know, effing and blinding, which will get me a thousand-pound fine. For more information about Hark a Vagrant by Kate Beaton, please go to harkavagrant.com. That's H-A-R-K-A-V-A-G-R-A-N-T dot com, where the latest of Kate's webcomics can be found. Or for more information about her work in general, please go to her Tumblr page, which is betona, B-E-A-T-O-N-N-A dot tumblr dot com. Step Aside Pops and the original Harker Vagrant collections are available now from Jonathan Cape and The Princess and the Pony from Arthur Levine Books. For more information about the Lakes International Comic Art Festival, please go to comicartfestival.com. And there'll be more interviews I recorded at LICAF, including Steve Bell, Stephen Appleby, Boulet and more, in forthcoming episodes of Panel Borders. In the meantime, there are various comic book events taking place at Orbital Comics, 8 Great Newport Street, near Leicester Square Tube. On the 27th of November, Des Taylor will be back in the store, running an art class featuring art from Star Wars, and that's on Friday the 27th from 7.30pm. Orbital currently have an exhibition going on in their gallery, entitled Underneath, in which comic artists are paying tribute to their heroes, and this features the work of John Allison, Hannah Berry, Julian Hanshaw, Warwick Johnson Cadwell, Mike Medallia, Philippa Rice, Jack Teague, Julia Scheel, and many more. And this runs until December the 5th. For more information about Orbital Comics, please go to orbitalcomics.com. At the Cartoon Museum, 35 Little Russell Street, near the British Museum, they have an exhibition on at the moment looking at the art of James Gilray. Gilray's Ghost runs until the 17th of January, and showcases almost 70 works by the famous 19th century caricaturist, alongside works that have been inspired by his illustrations, including cartoons by Steve Bell, Martin Rosen, Dave Brown, Leslie Illingworth, and many more. To coincide with the exhibition, there's a night celebrating Gilray's work called A Taste of Gilray, as the Georgian Dining Academy descends on the Cartoon Museum, with ladies and gentlemen entertaining the diners in Georgian outfits, supplying visitors with a gin punch, macarons, and other 19th-century-themed delicious food. There's even a gambling table alongside the period entertainment. Tickets for this event are £40, and spaces are limited, so you'll need to book soon. There's a £5 discount on this dining evening for friends of the Cartoon Museum. And if you join the Cartoon Museum, which is a non-for-profit organisation and is dedicated to saving and preserving classic comic book and cartooning work from the last 200 years, there are other events that are exclusive to members, including on the 17th of December, an evening at the Queen's Gallery Buckingham Palace, hosted by artist Martin Rosen, where he'll be taking a journey through the rambunctious history of satirical prints and the events that inspired them from the 18th century to the present day, and the evening also includes an introduction by exhibition curator Kate Hurd, a private view and a complimentary glass of wine in the Queen Gallery Royal Collection.
For more information about the Cartoon Museum, please go to cartoonmuseum.org. On the 6th of December, at the Royal National Hotel, near Russell Square, there's the latest London Comic Mart, one of the UK's largest events for buying and selling classic comics from the 19th century to the present day, as well as pulp magazines, paperbacks and ephemera. For more information about this, please go to londoncomicmart.co.uk. Doors open at 11am and close at 4pm on the 6th of December. At Gosh Comics, 1 Berwick Street, London, in Soho, on December the 2nd, they have their latest process event, where various creators come and talk about their work. The December guests are creators from Fancy Butcher Press, who will also be encouraging visitors to take in some festive game-playing events, including Bibliopolis, a board game that you create as you play, and story-based games fresh from the minds of the Fancy Butcher creators themselves. There'll also be a lucky dip, Christmas tunes, and a chance to make your own comics on the night. That's the 2nd of December from 7pm. On the 9th of December, there's the last of this year's Comic Goship events, a reading group taking place in Gosh, where in December they'll be discussing the latest Asterix album, as well as taking part in a special Christmas quiz, based on some of the best comics that have been released over the last year. That's on December the 9th from 7pm. Finally, if you just can't get enough of comics and Christmas events at Gosh, on December the 16th from 7, there's a special superhero quiz night based on the DC and Marvel universes with a variety of festive prizes up for grabs. For more information about all of the Gosh events, as well as the availability of signed books from recent comic signings, please go to goshlondon.com. Panel Borders was recorded, edited and introduced by Alex Fitch, is a Panel Borders production, and you can find all previous episodes on our blog, www.panelborders.wordpress.com, and we'll be back at the same time on the second Tuesday of next month. Thanks for listening. This program has been brought to you by Resonance 104.4 FM. If you liked what you heard and want to support our work, please make a donation at fundraiser.resonance.fm.